It is so good to be here this morning with you. God bless you. It's a great day, and it's Man Church Day. Amen. Come on, let me hear the men say amen. Amen. Man Church. All right, praise God. But it's a blessing to be back with my good friend Sam and Beverly and be here with you. And he's talking about the tail is the explaining part. And uh, I'm not having a midlife crisis, uh, although I was a hippie way back when. Uh, Really, the tale has got a really unique story about it. You realize we went through a devastating earthquake. Over as many as 300,000 people died in a city of 3 million. Everybody was affected. We lost 32 people in our church building. And then six or seven of those were extremely close to me. Extremely. I'm talking about one of my senior pastor's son was 16. I held him up as a baby and dedicated him to the Lord one of my pastor's wives, one of my elder's wives, uh, one of my closest spiritual sons where I'm the godfather of his little baby and his son all went to be with the Lord. And, you know, God God has his ways of dealing with all this and what's going on. There's an earth that's groaning for redemption. And, uh, um, of course, we dealt with it. And, of course, we were very active in relief efforts towards that. And it was just a tremendous move of God to bring relief into that nation. But the Sunday after the quake, it happened on a Tuesday, I made the word. I said, we're going to throw some platforms. We lost our building. As you see, we're meeting in a tent now, and thank God for the tent. But we're we're believing God for the building. And uh, I said, we're going to throw some platforms on the ground, and we're going to put some speakers in the air, and we're going to praise God, bless God no matter what. Now, we're talking four or five days after the quake, Tuesday to Sunday. We're still digging people out of the rumble. There's still, for three days, there were people trapped live that we couldn't get out, and they all died. I mean, we just did not have the equipment at our availability. We didn't have, there's no such thing as first responders in Haiti, and uh, we were the first responders. I now got a saw that I can cut this building in half single-handed. has my name in, from, mag, from a magic marker on that, Pastor Jay's saw. I have fuel that sits by it and oil that sits by it, and no one can touch it but me. I got two or three of those saws now, but one's mine, praise God. And I can cut anybody out of anything. We actually even have a small portable Jaws of Life now, too. I mean, when you go through something like that, you just start buying things you never thought you would have bought before, you know. But anyhow, when we got that platform on the ground and I was determined to praise God, praise God in the midst of grief, in the midst of anguish, in the midst of sorrow, I'm going to praise God. Well, when we got there... My financial administrative woman uh, walked in, and she had G.I. Jane cut her hair out of grief. I mean, bald as bald could be, just cut it out of her grief and her sorrow. And I watched her walk in, and I went, and I got to do something. And so I made a determination that day that I was going to grow my hair in memory of those that were lost, and that every time that I combed my hair, I would remember them. And I made put two earmarks out for the cutting of my hair. And the first is I wanted to donate my hair to Locks of Love, and they'll send you a little plaque in memory of somebody if you do that. But I found out Locks of Love doesn't take your hair till it's 10 inches. I'm still a little, just about there, but not quite there. 10 inches is a lot of hair. And uh, it, took, so it takes a lot of time. Second earmark was that our building was to be built, and I would cut it at our uh, dedication service in front of my congregation. All my congregation is waiting for me to cut my hair, trust me. 
And, uh, I mean, they're like, yeah. And then I even promised to start maybe wearing a suit once in a while because it's so darn hot in the tent that you can't wear a suit. And they're all very much about suits. And they're like, yeah. And I'm, so I'm, I don't know, maybe uh, I have some anti-feelings against suits. And uh, maybe that's why the building's not built yet. I don't know. But anyhow, that's the reason for the tale. And so, but, you know, and I was really worried about it. I was telling Pastor Sam this story you know, after the, in the first year, last summer was kind of like the first year of itinerating with long hair. And I was asking Linda, you know, Linda, what do I do? I know I got some conservative churches. I mean, I minister in Presbyterian churches. I minister in some Baptist churches. And I minister in some full gospel churches. And I said, you know, I don't want to be offensive or offend anybody. And so, and Linda would always say, she's so kind because she wasn't there. I mean, and it was a good thing God did not have her there. We were having a grandbaby being born. And she was out being grandmommy. And uh, I'm glad she wasn't there. God graced her because Linda would have been crushed. I mean, totally crushed with emotion. And so she was dealing with it from the state side. But she knew what was in my heart. She would always say, just do what's in your heart. Do what God's put in your heart. She's such a good wife. And uh, I'm still worrying and wringing my hands, day, you know, weeks and months. And she finally looked at me and said, listen, you could cut your hair and you'll be just a good old man. She said, or you can leave it long and you can be an old man with a story. And I said, well, old man, old man with a story. Old man. I think I'll be an old man with a story, praise God. At least if I'm going to be an old man, I'm going to be an old man with a story and get to tell it, praise God. But so since that, you saw the, uh, the uh, video. That's kind of post-quake. And God, by his grace, has given us ability to continue to grow, to bring the kingdom of God into that nation, to expand with the clinic, which is a working clinic. I now have a, a Haitian doctor on staff. We're facilitating medical teams from the United States, not only to serve in our clinic, but then we go out to still the tent cities of people living in tents since the quake. Um, even now, and we'll go out and take mobile clinics out to them. Um, we got our feeding program up and going. Actually, it's more closer to 3,000 kids uh, a day, five days a week at schools that we've birthed and planted at our churches that are in some of the most outer areas you can imagine, geograph national geographic areas. And where it's very poor and very, very difficult for people just to even get by. I can feed a kid for 35 cents a day. That's pretty darn cheap, and uh, we don't uh, make money on it. We don't pay overhead with it. We don't have administrative costs. 35 cents a day, I can feed a kid a meal, but when you're feeding 3,000, if you crunch the numbers, and I'm not Franklin Graham, that's $20,000 a month, $20,000 a month, and I work hard at it to get that money in and feed them, and we've robbed from Peter to pay Paul and pray God we can pay Peter back when time comes to when Peter got to pay his bills. And I ran into something right after the quake that was very mind-boggling because I never ran into it in, the, in my tenure of ministry because the last time this has happened, it was Jimmy Carter, and I ran into a recession. And all of a sudden, I mean, offerings tanked. And see, missionary offerings are discretionary offerings. Everybody should be tithing to their local church, and everybody said? That's right. Everybody should be tithing and giving in offerings to their local church. But at the same time, then missionary giving is offerings over and above. Well, they tanked. And I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? But God had given me a word, and here's the testimony. In the midst of the worst recession that we've experienced since the Depression, God has not 
moved back. God has been faithful. God has met every need, and we're still feeding kids, paying for medical attention. Kids' Christmas is still going, praise God. And so we just praise God for all that he's doing and all that he continues to do by his grace and mercy. And the neat thing about it was you saw we were unloading, maybe you caught it, in the, in the slideshow, unloading a container with a forklift. This is the first year we've ever had a forklift. We used to have to hand unload those puppies. And, uh, and that's hard. I, now, I didn't. I'm the boss. But my guys did. And I would stand there and go, yeah, move down there and do that over there. And they'd be all sweaty and wet. And Haiti's pretty hot. It's kind of like Beaumont plus 10 in heat. And uh, so anyhow, we're down there. And uh, we got just unloaded a container of food and got it dispersed to the we have to transport it out to where it goes and get it all dispersed and so I told the guys listen you've been working hard let's go to the cafeteria I'm buying sodas not that I got to pay for them because I already paid for them I just get the sodas but anyhow we're sitting in the air conditioning drinking a soda and I said well guys you feel pretty good don't you and they did we all said yeah we feel great because we know kids are going to get fed that maybe not get being fed properly and uh, I said it makes your heart happy makes you feel good and they all nodded and I said that's what we get. That's, what we, that's our reward. We get to feel good. The kids are going to get to eat, but we get to feel good that we did it. And that's all we get. But isn't that enough, praise God, to be able to feel right that God is sending food to people that are desperate for food. I don't know about you, and you can tell by me, unless I choose to fast, I've never gone hungry a day in my life. And you can tell I don't do it often anyhow. I like food. That's the greatest vice of Christianity, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God for potluck dinners and all that good stuff that comes with it, praise the Lord. Well, that's good. See, we are moving in a time and a season where God is raising up a church, a glorious church. In Haiti, he's raising up a glorious church. You saw all the different aspects of our ministry, and I just thank God for his grace on me to macro-manage. Because I, I sit back and think sometimes, how do we do all that? But it's because we've got faithful people in faithful positions that are doing what they're supposed to do, praise God. And all I do is kind of just stay on top of the reports and keep encouraging them to keep going, and they just keep doing what they do, praise the Lord. And so we just got so many things. But God is raising up. A, it's, we're in the time and a season where God is raising up his glorious church. How many, how many here know that we're in the last days? We are in the last days. And it says that Jesus or the Lord will present to himself a glorious church. A glorious church. And a glorious church is a people that passionately, let me underline the word, passionately seek their God and seek their Savior 24-7. You see, God is not just a Sunday morning God. Matter of fact, God is really not interested in a Sunday morning date. He wants a marriage. And he's looking for a people that will marry him. I remember I've been married now 35 years to one woman, praise the Lord, to my wife. And I remember dating her in college. Well, I had gotten a number of tickets and a number of wrecks. And so I lost my license the first year of college. And I dated her on a 10-speed bicycle. Thank God she had a 66 Mustang Fastback. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You all remember the 66 Mustang Fastback? And so it was a sweet car, but I had to date her on a 10-speed. But I wanted to be close to her. I wanted to talk to her. I wanted to even smell her, praise God. 
get a, maybe a kiss now and then, hallelujah. And then we'd get on the phone, but it wasn't, you didn't have a cell phone 900 minutes a month package. Matter of fact, there were no cell phones. It was hey, baby, how you doing? And as long as your roommates would leave you alone, four of us in a 750-square-foot apartment, we'd talk for hours and just talk and talk and talk and didn't want to get off the phone 2 o'clock in the morning. you still talk and want to be close. Well, there's got to be one love greater than that. Hello. There's got to be one love that's greater than that, and that's got to be our love for our Lord Jesus Christ. And you've got to want to talk to him like you wanted to talk to your honey. You've got to want to ride a 10-speed bicycle to wherever he is to be with and to be close to him, praise God. You see, God is raising up a church in this time and this hour of a people that will passionately pursue him with all that is in them. It's time that we've got to shake off some of those religious devils that are, we're talking about the other churches right now so we can minister to them, but we've got to shake off those religious devils that say, oh, I'm okay, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Because, you see, I tell my church often, if Jesus comes on a Sunday, there'll be a percentage of you still sitting here. Don't shout me down just because I'm preaching good now. And so anyhow, he's looking for those that have a passion in their heart. you got to talk to God. you got to be a man and a woman of prayer. you got to be men and women of the Word. you got to be men and women that desire to be close to Him. More of you and less of me has got to be the priority of your life. You gotta talk to him. I get, I'll tell you what, since the beginning of my, uh, well, I've created this habit in my life since the beginning of becoming a Christian, and it's just habitual now, but as soon as my feet hit the floor, early in the morning, most of the time I get up about 4.30 every morning. I've just created that habit. But when my feet hit the floor, the first thing I say is, I love you, Jesus. As I'm headed to the bathroom, I'm already got, I love you, Jesus, out of my mouth. And then I'm talking to him, heading in there. I ain't got the sleep still in my eyes, still looking for the light switch. And I'm already talking to him, Lord, put your hand on me and my family today. Be a protector, guard us, give us security today. And I'm already talking to him. First thing as I get out of my, you know, the last thing you're, not suppo- the last thing you're supposed to do is not just give your wife or husband a kiss goodnight, but then you've got to tell Jesus goodnight. As I lay my head on the pillow every night, I talk to him and say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, and I thank you for a great day. I thank you that you're with me in my sleep and that you'll not leave me or forsake me. And then the next thing you do is you start. I start talking. I talked. I was telling pastor. I talked to him all the time. I'll be walking around the campus there, and people go, what would you say, pastor? And I go, I'm not talking to you. Hush. I'll be talking to him under my breath, mumbling. I'm mumbling all the time. People think, dude, that pastor's weird because he's mumbling all the time. I'm not mumbling. I'm talking to God. I'm talking to God when I'm driving to work. I'm talking to God when I'm walking the halls. I'm talking to God sitting in my office. I'm talking to God all the time. And you know what's really cool? Sometimes he talks right back. That's the people of passion that God is looking for that he's going to raise up as a glorious church because the glory of the Lord comes and manifests to those that seek him with all of their hearts. 
Really, the glory is just the manifested presence of God. I want the manifested presence of God in my life. I want the manifested presence of God in your life. You know, I've literally seen conversations change as I walk into a room, and they don't even know I'm a preacher. But because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I'll walk in and conversations will make themselves aright because there's a sense of a conviction. They don't know where it's coming from. Then they always come around and, well, what is it that you do? I'm always so glad to ask. One fella, he was kind of aggravating, and I don't, I'm not sure if I was in the right spirit, but he was kind of aggravating, and I, he, I was on an airplane flying somewhere, and he sat down next to me, and what is it you do? I said, I'm in government. He said, you're in government? I said, yes. He said, well, what government? United States? I said, no, not United States. He said, what government? I said, he, no, he asked me, what is it you do? I said, well, I'm an ambassador. To what government? I said, well, it's a kingdom government. What are you talking about, a kingdom government? It's not the United States. I said, no, it's the kingdom government. I'm a preacher of righteousness. And I'm, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He stopped talking. <laughs> well, sometimes you got to get them to think, praise God. Well, in this hour of raising up a glorious church, God is going to place men in their positions because although us you women are so important... Men got to be leaders in the church. And I'm going to take my text this morning from a scripture in 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2. I don't know if you want to throw it up on there or if you just guys want to look for it in your little telephones and pads and Bibles. I'm wondering about these telephone Bibles because I think when people get bored, they start texting. I'm going to call the fire of God down on you if you text today. God will convict you, and you'll go, uh-oh. you go, rut row. 1 Kings 2 and verse 1 through 2, David is coming into his twilight years, and he, and he is imparting unto Solomon a destiny on his life. And I believe today in man church, today in Father's Day, but today in man church, God wants to impart destiny into the lives of men and women here in, in North Church, at Church on the Rock North, praise God. And it says here, now the days of David drew that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. You see, God is looking for men. God is not looking for a man. God is looking for men. God is looking for a men's men, men's men, praise God. Matter of fact, the title of my message today is Be a Man's Man. Don't be some little wimpy thing. Be a man's man, praise God. Now, we in the South, and we don't probably have that much problem about wimpy men in the South, as you might see in some other places. But I often tell young men that I'm mentoring or men that I'm ministering to, especially in, in the school, some of these guys never had a good daddy around their life, and you go up and shake their hand, they give you some kind of little limp-wristed handshake, and I'll grab it real strong and say, look me in the eye and grab it strong. Don't give me, how you doing, Pastor Grab my hand, look me in the eye, and say, how are you today? Be a man's man. Praise God. God's looking for men. God's looking for men that know their men. Praise the Lord. And here Sol, uh, David is speaking to Solomon, and he's saying, now it's time that you prove yourself to be a man. Or what he's saying is, go be strong, do what God's told you to do, and be a man. Be a man. 
Be a kingdom man. That's what God's looking for is a kingdom man. And he says, be strong and do this. And what an opportunity it was, first of all, for Solomon to have his dad in his final moments of life to be laying hands on him to be bringing an impartation to the next generation. And I'll tell you, when you get to my age, which I'm not too old yet, I'm still dreaming visions. You know, old men dream dreams, young men see visions. I'm dreaming visions. But when you get to my age, it's all about imparting to younger men. That's my whole life is imparting to younger men right now to pouring into those that are ready to be men, are ready to walk out their destiny as a man. Younger women, too. When I speak men, I'm speaking from the King James vernacular that it was written in a men's, a a, a masculine version. And so if I say man, I'm speaking to ladies, too, praise God. Best that I know how. That's the best I can cover it. But my whole life right now is to pour myself into men, and I'm really all about it. I love it. Matter of fact, I go to many churches and I'll speak directly just to younger people because they always seem to crowd together. So I'll just leave the whole other church and go speak to the young ones because that's what I'm about right now. But here, David has the opportunity. Solomon has the blessing to have one of the greatest kings, the king that God chose to bring the seed through his family lineage to bring forth Christ into the world. I mean, that's huge. And he's laying hands on his son, and he's speaking into him, and he's saying, now be a man. Do what God tells you to do. And what an opportunity it was for David as a father to lay hands on his son. Not only for the son to have dad lay his hands on him, but for the father to be able to impart to his son. David, which was the king of kings. I mean, he's not the king of kings, but the, king, the best example of a king in the Old Testament a man of war, a man of power, a man that followed after God's own heart, a man that was possessed by his Lord. And just think, when you get to lay hands or you bring an impartation to another generation, what you're releasing is what's in you. Really, if you're really drawing from me or from any gift that stands in the pulpit, what you receive is what's in them, an impartation of what they possess. You see, 25 years ago, God spoke to my heart. He said, go to Haiti and take a nation. I looked at the map. It was pretty small. Actually, at first, I, said, go to, I thought he said, go to Tahiti. And I'm all ready for Tahiti, man. I've got my flowered shorts ready and my flip-flops and my surfboard. And he said, I didn't say go to Tahiti. I said, go to Haiti. I didn't even know where Haiti was. Looked on the map, and it was just this little, little place on the map, I thought, well, we can do that. And I went to Haiti with a two-year vision to take a nation. 25 years later, we're still working on it. Nobody told me it was the seat of Satan for the Caribbean. Nobody told me it was immersed in voodoo. We didn't, couldn't Google Haiti back then because there was no Google. You had to go to World Book Encyclopedia, and mine was 10 years old. <laughs> Thank God for technology. You know, me and my pop, he's still alive. I've I've just had opportunity to minister to him this morning, and he's 84 years old. And we have this kind of habit between pop and me, and we argue a lot just to kind of prove who's right. I got it from him, and I'm getting better at it. But now I've ended all arguments. You know what? I I look at him and go, Google it, pop. We can end this argument right now. Give me my phone. (laughs) 
Because him and I will argue the horns off of a billy goat if we can. That's just the threadgill way. Praise God. We're tenacious. But in a loving way, too, praise the Lord. But now my answer to Pop is, Google it, Pop. I don't like that Google. How do you know it's right? I'm getting sidetracked. But anyhow, God is using David to impart, and what you get is what David has. And so I took some of the attributes this morning of what David possessed to to bring to us to what makes men men. Number one, David was faithful. He was a faithful shepherd. He learned his faithfulness by being faithful to his father's sheep. And not only did he learn faithfulness there, but he learned how to fight and how to defend. Then it was there as he was being faithful, watching over his sheep, he got close to God. As he would sing psalms to him in the night because he's by himself, and he would just sing psalms unto the Lord in the midst of the night and to the sheep. And, and, and I guarantee you if he's singing psalms unto the Lord, God came. Because the Bible says God inhabits the praises of their children. God comes, especially when the praise comes from a passion in your heart. He doesn't come and live in songs. He comes from a passion that's in your heart being released, as we did here this morning. And he learned to become faithful, and he became faithful. Faithfulness is one of the greatest attributes anyone can possess because I yearn to have the the opportunity to come before my Lord, and I have made my share of mistakes, trust me, but I want to stand before my Lord, see a gleam in his eye and a smile come on his face and him look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to hear. That's what I live for today is to one day see that in his face and his eyes and say, you did it. You did what I asked you to do. You ran the race. You won the prize. Good and faithful servant. That's what we're here for. See, what we're here for is him. We're not here for us. We're here for him. Amen. And so he, he became faithful and he, and he worshiped and he wrote Psalms. And then even in that, in the midst of that, he learned how to fight the bear and the wolf and the, and the lion. And he, be, he learned how to defend. And from that faithfulness came the second attribute was a building and a creation of faith. He not only was faithful, but he was a man of faith. And we and men have to be men of faith because you know, you are the covering of your family. We are the headship of our family. And, I, you know, and I, 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 we have to understand that, that we have to cover our family, and what's on us goes, flows to our family, just as I stand here and what's on me flows to you. And if we're correct and we're right and we're men of faith and men of prayer and, men, and faithful, that flows unto our family. It flows unto our community. Men are to lead the community. Men are, and it doesn't mean that women are not great leaders, but there has to be headship. God established it that way. Sorry for ladies, but God established it that way. And actually, women are wired to that if men will take their place. Most of the time, women have to take their place because the man's not. Woo-woo. That'll get a great offering. Let's go on. But he's a man of faith. Say faith. A man of faith was learned from faithfulness and, and from that faith, that faith comes from the presence of God and the word of the Lord. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, he didn't have the holy scriptures in his hand, but he still got the word of God through his time in his presence. And faith was built, and then faith was released the day that David had to face a giant named Goliath. 
The nation of Israel stood shaking and trembling at the sight of this man, but there was something different inside of David. Hallelujah. And I'm here to tell you, ladies and men, but I'm speaking to man church today, you will kill your lion and you will kill your bear. Every single person here has a Goliath that's been chosen by God for you to faith and you to destroy, and God will wants to use you to beat your Goliath. All of our Goliaths are different, but all of our Goliaths are big to us. In our eyes, they're big to us, but if you develop your faith, they're nothing. David looked at Goliath and said, you come to me with javelin, sword, and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. And he understood in his heart of hearts that he could bring him down. And he said, today I will feed your carcass to the birds, and I will hang your head before all of mankind. Where armies were trembling and shaking, but David had the faith. So you have to be faithful and you have to have faith to be a man's man. Praise God. Then you have to understand war. You see, men have to battle for their, their lives and their families. Men have to battle for their cities. This is your city, and I know there's a number of churches here, but it's your responsibility to touch this city. You have to fight for your city. You have to fight for your family. You have to fight for your children. Pastor Sam was bragging on his kids yesterday about something this and something that. And I said, you know, I started talking about my, all of my kids are serving God, but every single one of them, being a PK that they were, decided to go out and taste the world for a second. It was longer than a second, but made me pray hard. And all of them said, that doesn't taste good, and came back. All of my kids had to taste it. I had to battle for them. I had to fight for them. I had to stand the gap for them. I had to pray them in. I didn't chase them around, be the God police in their lives. I let God deal with them. But I stood the gap and I interceded. You've got to be a man of war. You've got to be a woman of war. To be a man's man, you best fight for your family. You best fight for your community. You must fight for your church. Ephesians 6 says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Our battle is not with each other or another person. Our battle is with the demons that motivate people. Amen. And so you've got to be a man of war. It said in, 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 that, in, in, in the scripture, David, it said the women would sing that, the, that, that Saul had slain his thousands, but David had slain his ten thousands. He was a man of war. Heard recently a message from a man that talked about David and Solomon. I wish I'd already gotten this revelation, but I have to be honest and got it from another minister. I guess I got the revelation through God through the other minister. But David was the man of war, and Solomon, every man of war is followed with, or every king of war is followed by a king of peace. Solomon had no war because David fought it. And I likened it to my own life. We've had to birth, we've had to bust it open, we've had to dig it out with a spoon. And, we've, and through God's grace, we've seen a great ministry created so that the generations after me don't have to. So maybe you're a king of war so that the next generation can be a king of peace. Or maybe you're a king of war that you're just training the next generation so they can continue to war for the glory of God. So, number one, you have to be faithful. Number two, you have to have a, be a, become a man of faith. Number three, you have to learn how to fight. 
Now, our weapons are not carnal. Our weapons are not 12 gauges. Our weapons are not 9 millimeters. Our weapons are not AKA, whatever they are. So I got all of those at my house. Like what Toby Keith said when we had an ammunition shortage. You remember that? Remember the ammunition shortage right about the last presidential changeover? Actually, Texas and Florida had the two greatest shortages. And they had Toby Keith on Huckabee. And you all know who Toby Keith is? I mean, you all are from the country, aren't you? I mean, even I know who Toby Keith is, and I'm a rock and roller. <laughs> Anyhow, they said, oh, Huckabee asked him, said, Toby, what about this ammunition shortage? Toby Keith has become a pretty good spokesman for the NRA. And uh, he said, well, with that big old hat kind of covering his eyes, he said, well, we figure something might go wrong, and if something goes wrong, we'll be ready for it. I said, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Toby. Talk like that on national TV. Praise God. But you got to be a man of war. But our war is not with 9 millimeter. Our war is not with shotguns. Our war is done on our knees in the presence of God where we wrestle in the kingdom of God into our lives and into our children's lives, into our church and into our community. We're to, we're to fight the war for our, for, for our surrounding region, praise God. That's why God's placed us here. There's destiny on your life. You have to understand it. There's a divine appointment on your life. And if you don't know what it is, I guarantee if you'll ask God, that is one prayer. He will answer you speedily. Man of war. Another great aspect of David is the fact that great men gather great men. Great men draw great men. Musicians will draw musicians. Singers will draw singers. Great men draw great men. And so David gathered. He didn't try to gather. They just came to him with 400 men of valor. Great fighting men. Out of those was such of those as Joshua Beam that killed 300 with a spear and Eleazar, son of Dodo. Me and Pastor talked about that this morning. Anybody with the name son of Dodo is going to have to learn to fight. From kindergarten on up. Somebody going to be picking on Dodo, Dodo. Bam! <laughs> and he, he battled and beat an army of Philistines right in the middle of a field with two other captains. Three guys beat a whole army. Oh, Dodo, great men. Great men draw great men. And so you've got to be a great man, and then great men will gather around you. And then all of a sudden we have a company of great men. Men's men. Men's men. Is that right, English? Whatever. Praise God. And so also we've got to understand that out of that, David became a man, fifth aspect, a man of order, grace, and mercy. You have to understand order, kingdom order. There is order. And we've got to understand order. We've got to also understand grace and understand mercy. Out of David's ability to war and out of David's ability to uh, gather men, Saul became very jealous of him. Matter of fact, when, 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 uh, when the women were singing, Saul killed his thousands and David killed his ten thousands, he became jealous. But if he was a man of order, he'd have said, praise God. Praise God that my spiritual son is slaying more than me. I've told all my spiritual sons that we birthed out. I pray, God, you're more successful than I am. For the next generation, my declaration is my ceiling will become their floor. My, my height of what I can accomplish can become the, just the standard where they can stand and build higher than I've ever gone, praise God. But if Saul would have been correct, he'd have said, praise the Lord, David is killing 10,000 to my thousand. But no, he became jealous. David had opportunity twice to kill him, 
Matter of fact, one time they were all gathered, looking. Saul's hunting him, and they gathered themselves. And it says that David's men were hiding in the cleft of a cave, and actually Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. And as he backed up to the wall and got himself placed and spread out his robe so he wouldn't mess it up, David reached out and cut a corner of it off. How interesting to be hiding in the outhouse when someone's using it. You've been there. And so anyhow, David puts out the cloth and tells him, I could have killed you, but I didn't because you're king. And he told his men, how could I touch the anointed of God? Yet to be a man's man, you have to be a person that understands kingdom order, kingdom government, kingdom mercy, and kingdom... All these aspects of the kingdom. Order, government, and mercy. You see, David understood the order and government, so he had mercy. He could have killed him. Had every right in the mind of men to kill someone. He's trying to kill me. i got to kill him first. He didn't. God took care of it. Faithfulness. Faith. What's the other one? War. Great men gathered to great men. Order, mercy, and grace. Number six, he was a man of repentance. Now you got to learn to do that too. My wife used to say something about me, and I made her quit saying it from the pulpit, and here I am getting ready to quote her. How I got myself into this, I don't know. She would say, when my husband messes up, he messes up better than anybody I know. But he would be the quickest man to repent I've ever seen. And I will often go to somebody and tell them, I'm sorry for what I said or if I offended you or if I did something to affect you. I am quick. Sometimes we allow pride to come into us and we don't want to say those words. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry that I did that. I'm sorry. Remember, you're, you're not fighting flesh and blood. It wasn't the flesh and blood that did whatever it did. It was the spirits that motivate and drive it. We've got to be men of repentance. We've got to be men. And then see David, you know, David, thank God in one respect, out of David's weakness, we see the mercy of God, but I don't condone anything that David did in this aspect. But it said, where is it? In first, Second Samuel 11, it said, It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go to battle. David was hanging out on the roof. He wasn't at battle. Listen to me, men. When it's time to go to war, go to war. Don't sit on the rooftop. No, you don't get it. When it's time to go to war, go to war. Don't sit on the rooftop. Because if you're sitting on the rooftop and you're not fighting, you're going to get yourself in a mess. And there he saw a pretty woman. This is where I speak to the ladies. Ladies, you guard your men. You guard them. You watch out for them. You take care of them. Don't let the devil squeak some little thing in there between you and them. And all the ladies said, My, I'd sit up and it hasn't happened. I'm getting a little older now in a while. But I'd be sitting right on the front row and my wife would nudge me and go, Watch so-and-so up there on the platform. I'm going, what are you talking about? Women can tell. Men are like clueless. What are you talking about? That one's watching you in a wrong way. 
What are you talking about? Just listen to me. If she comes to you, you watch her. Okay. See, it's not that I'm so good looking. It's because I'm a man of authority. It's a man of power, a man of finance, a man of anointing, a man of responsibility. And women will be drawn to the attributes of God in you. And they'll mess with you. And David fell. David fell, and then it cost him his love child. It cost him his child. And David sat in sackcloth and ashes and repented to God. And you know what's really cool? Because it's in my next aspect of being a man's man. Even in the book of Acts, God declared him to be a man after his own heart. Let me explain something to you about the grace of God. When you mess up and you passionately seek him for repentance... God will erase it with the blood and he'll reestablish your original testimony because it was the word to Samuel that God looks upon the heart. And that was his original testimony. Now, if David would have continued in his sin, he'd have lost his testimony, but he didn't. He was a man of repentance. To be a man's man, you have to know when to repent and you have to be ready to repent, not only to God, but to someone else if, you, if you've offended them. Because it's love. And God is love. And God's love will never fail. I hear way too often, I ain't going to tell him I'm sorry. It's his fault. Well, praise God. You see, it was that in, moment, in those moments that God, that David wrote the Psalms, of Psalm 51, created me a clean heart. Where he cried out to God and said, renew a right spirit in me. Don't take away your presence, God. Because when you sin like that, and let me tell you something, I've counseled several men and that have experienced this. And excuse my vernacular, but they all went through hell before they got right. And you know what happens is the presence of God draws away from you because God can't mix it up with sin. I don't want to lose His presence. Because at that point, you're, you're dead till you get right. Y'all listen to me? Which becomes the seventh and final aspect of being a man's man. You got to be a man after God's heart. If you're not a man after God's heart, you'll never have the anointing capable to fulfill your destiny. Because that anointing only comes from his presence. Every single person in here has a divine destiny. God told me to take a nation. And I've endured and pressed in to do that very thing. Will I take it single-handedly? Absolutely not. Are there not a number of great ministries down there doing it? Of course there are. But yet those were the words he spoke to my heart. And for 25 years I've lived in some standards of, of lifestyle that most of you would flip out around. No electricity, running generators. No hot water most of the time unless you're running the generators. No markets. There's no supermarkets like you know of them. Whiny. No, I'm not going to say it that way. Okay. Americans complaining about $4 gas when we've been paying $6 gas for the last two or three years. $6. Four to $500 a month just for me to go back and forth to work. That's all I do. Don't go anywhere else. If I go anywhere else, add another 100 Same kind of salary. So I got to watch my money just like you got to watch your money. 
If we weren't people after God's own heart, we'd have sunk, we'd have been destroyed, we'd have died, but there's a grace that comes on those that will seek God. There's only way that you can fulfill the destiny on your life is that God's grace remain upon your life, and that grace is multiplied and amplified as you continue to stay in his presence. You have something to do for God in a great way. The men of this house have something to lead for God in a great way. Don't get there up there and Jesus looking you go, glad you made it. Because not every Christian will hear, well done. Some of our works will be burned with fire. But yet we, our salvation will be there. I don't want to get there and go, had to get you out of there. Otherwise, you'd have lost it. I'm not a Calvinist. Armenian, if, you don't, if you're not theological, don't know what that means. Calvinists believe once saved, always saved. Armenian believe you can walk in and you can walk out. You can walk in and you can walk out. I don't want to get there and go, glad you made it, son. I want him to look at me and go, well done. How many want to hear well done? How many want to know that Jesus has his hand on your life? How many want to reach destiny in their life? You have death. Someone say destiny. I'm not too late. Only 10 after, praise God. Hallelujah. Well, God has a divine plan and a divine purpose for your life. God wants you to be a man's man for the men in men's church today. And for you ladies, God wants you to be a, a woman's woman. And run your race. Finish that race. and Receive the prize. I want to receive the prize. How many want the prize? You've got to live it that way. Live on fire for God. If there's no fire in you, you've got to stir it up. You gotta go ahead, son. You gotta stir it up. You gotta stir it up. You gotta stir it up. You know, I looked at your worship team today, it was primarily young people. My heart just wanted to pour out to them. It's time for the 30 somethings and the 20 somethings to take their place. It's your time. If you're 30 something and 20 something in this house, I want you to know, prophetically speaking, that it is your time right now. It's not that us. Go ahead, go ahead. It's not that our 40s and 50s are finished, but I want the 20s and 30s to know it is your time. God is going to lift you up. We need the young to run with the old, praise God. The old have the wisdom, but the young have the strength, praise the Lord. And God wants to touch you, and God wants to stir within you dreams and visions of what he wants you to accomplish. Whether it's just to raise a great godly family, or it's to touch in the children's church or in the community. But God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God has something very specific for each and every person to do. You see, the old school Christianity was, well, we just go to church, be happy, sing some hymns, and go to heaven. But I'm not here to go to heaven. Guess what? I'm already secure in the knowledge that I will go to heaven. I'm not here to go to heaven. I'm here to bring heaven to earth. Kingdom of God come. Will of God be done in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It's your time. It's your place. Hallelujah. I want to pray for the men right now to be men's men. I want to pray that you'll rise up and be everything that God's called you to be. Don't be a sissy man. A sissy man is just, well, you know, it's cool. I go to church. That's cool. A man's man says, no, I got purpose. I walk in God's anointing. God's presence is in my life. Demons and devils tremble at the sight of Christ in me, praise God. Kingdoms of darkness move when I walk in the room. That's understanding who you are. Lives are changed by words that I speak. 
I lay hands on the sick and they will recover in the name of Jesus. Or someone said, what about the ones that don't recover? That's not up to me. I'm just supposed to lay the hands. He's the healer. Cast out devils. Most people get scared when they see, I mean, we got devils down here. They'll growl at you and froth at you and vomit in front of you. I, got, I don't even deal with them. Deacons do that. My, my deacons handle that. Get that one, they'll haul him out back, cast the devil out of him right in the middle of service. I won't even miss a lick preaching. I'll just keep going. Deacons just go, whoop, take him out back, cast the devil out of him. Next thing you know, he'll be coming at altar time, all straight and giving his heart to Jesus. The only difference between the devils in Haiti and the devils of America, the devils of America went to Harvard. They're very refined. Holy cow, I could have gone somewhere with that, but I'll leave it alone. Come on, men, lift the hand of Jesus. Father, I pray over the men of this house right now. And Lord, with this simple sermon, just let it be a, a part of the puzzle that causes us to rise up and be all that you've called us to be. To be the head of our house, to cover our family to be men of prayer, men of war, men of valor, men with grace and mercy in our hearts. Let us walk out our destiny. Lead us and guide us in the, in the paths of our destiny that we may fulfill our destiny for your glory, Jesus. That you may use us in this last day revival. That you may use us in, in the establishing of this glorious church. That we would not be weak, but we would be strong in you that we would fulfill and accomplish all that you've placed on our lives. Lord, should there be any hindrance against these men that would want to hinder them from the fulfillment of their destiny, I come against it now in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ, and I break it off of them. I command mountains to move in the name of Jesus. I command a liberty to be released upon these men, men of finance, men of war, men of strength, men of valor. Lord, and continue to gather men around Pastor Sam to enable him to run the race of this collective vision of this church that we may be able to do what God's called him to do here in, in, in Beaumont area. And Lord, as they do pursue the destiny on their life, I pray blessing upon them, blessing upon their families. I pray it in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. I pray it in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. And all God's men would say, hallelujah. There's something on you, and I know you know it's on you. And you're here to assist the man of God in the endeavor of reaching this city for Jesus and families. But I want you to know you have been a man that has stayed in order and that God's hand is upon you and God is blessed by your obedience. And that this is a time and a season that God's getting ready to lift you into a new dimension of anointing. Even as you stay submitted to the house, God's going to use you in a greater way. You have actually said in your heart, is this it? Is this where I'll stay? Maybe positionally, but yet there'll be a greater dimension of your ability to bring deliverance into the lives of men and women around you. For God has greatness upon your destiny, and you are to run the race with strength and, and, and with, a, with focus so that you will obtain and reach all that God has set before you. 
Hallelujah. Bless this young man, Lord. Bless his family. Bless his wife, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Bless them in Jesus. Not his wife. I'm sorry. Well, praise God. The rest of the prayers, right? Are you supposed to be his wife? Where? Oh. I'm glad, huh? I can pray for your wife. Where is she at? Oh, you need a wife. He needs a wife. Don't sit so close next time. know the prophetic can mess up once in a while hallelujah father god i pray right now for this man to find the right woman a woman that will guard him a woman that will encourage him a woman that will strengthen him a woman that will make him complete in jesus name all god's people said hallelujah well come up here and stand by your husband so i can pray for you come on come on i really i'm serious come on fix this are you husband and wife over there sitting right there oh yeah you okay good just in case I come that way put your arm around him it's all right you know I did notice when you were worshiping God spoke to my heart and again said to me that you have just entered in you have just tasted I mean, just got a taste of what God has set before your lifetime. That you are just coming into a place of fruition, even though you've been used of God in probably what has sensed and been like a great way. But God said to me as I was worshiping and you were leading, that there will come a time and a season in your lifetime that the power of God will fall upon your worship in such a dimension that miracles and healings will occur, that people will come to the altar and bow their knee and receive Christ, and that there will be a tremendous harvest through your ministry in these last days. A tremendous harvest because you carry a passion in your heart to worship Him. You're not here with a show. You're not here just to look good. You're here to touch His heart by your heart. And God says in that I am well pleased. And God has given you a good help meet, praise God. And God has given you one that it makes you complete. And that through her intercession, through her prayers, and through her encouragement, you will achieve and you will rise up and be all that God has called you to be. Hallelujah. And that you will see Holy Ghost move of the Spirit in through your life and in your life for His glory. And as you get, as God begins to lift you up into new places. People are going to begin to compliment your ability. And God wants me to tell you this, that in every compliment, it's like a rose being handed to you. But at the end of the day, give the bouquet back to Jesus. Because it all belongs to Him. Because the talents you possess and the ability that He's generating in you all came from Him. A psalmist, not an entertainer, a true psalmist you'll see the glory of the Lord manifest as you worship Him in tangible, magnificent ways. 
Hallelujah. Lord, I pray for this marriage. I pray for this husband and wife. I pray, Lord, that this generation rise up and be all that you've called them to be, God. That they will run the race, God. That they will win the prize. They will fulfill it, Lord. They will do it, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm reminded in the scriptures that in many battles they would place the worshipers before the army. And that God is placing you as a lead worshiper in the army of God, in the army of Christ in these last days. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, the reason I asked, hallelujah, go ahead. The reason I asked if you were husband and wife is because you were next, praise God. And you were really close. And I was already, if I'm missing it that bad, I better check. Praise God, hallelujah. Now, is one of these vehicles yours? No, you need one, don't you? I was thinking I need one. Hallelujah. Now, I saw something in you. I saw a strong man. I saw, take this in the right way. I saw a good-looking fellow with strength, and I saw a nice wife sitting next to him. And God says, I have plans and purposes upon your life that I have not even revealed to you. That that which I've revealed to you in times past is just a time of preparation. It's just a time of forming. It's just a time of molding and shaping. But there are things that I desire to use you in that only you can accomplish. You and your help me. You and the one that makes you complete. That this is a new hour and a new time and a new season on both your lives. Where God is going to lift you up as pillars in the church. As, as leaders in the church. And that you are to remain committed and submitted to the house and to the man of God. But at the same time God. God is going to use you to gather men and gather women to, here to the church because great men gather great men and great women will gather great women. And God wants to stir within you a fresh hunger and a fresh thirst and a fresh desire for Him that even though you've had these things that have kind of come into your mind that said, Lord, am I doing everything you want me to do? Or sometimes you just kind of let it be. Or, But God says there's a fresh fire and a fresh stirring coming forth in your spirit this day. A fresh fire and a fresh spirit coming, a fresh fire and a fresh anointing coming to your spirit in the name of Jesus. There's even been things in your past you've done and you've kind of wondered that will that hinder me? God says, my grace is sufficient. Don't let the devil ever bring that, that what's happened yesterday back up to you and try to condemn you with it. This is a new day, a fresh day, a new time, a new dimension, a new season in both your lives. And you will run the race and you'll be strong and you will be blessed. And the blessings of God will cause others to look and others to see. And they will see the hand of the Lord on your life. And they'll say, what is it different about you? And you will respond, it's God. And they will be drawn to the God that's in you. And they'll be brought into the kingdom because of you. So receive the blessing and receive the destiny and receive what God has. And God wants to breathe life into your heart. He wants to cast vision in your heart, a freshness for future. He says, be faithful, be patient. Patience is never a man's attribute for starting up. But yet God wants you to be patient because it will be fulfilled. And you will see the, 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 the gleam in his eyes and the, and, the, and the grin on his face. And he will say, well done well done hallelujah and you see this fine woman she makes you strong without her you cannot fulfill what you're to do hallelujah be blessed by her in your life protect her and you protect him in Jesus name blessings in Jesus name and all God said I don't know those guys but I think they're going to be some kind of leadership material in the future praise God hallelujah you stay there Hallelujah. I'm going after the young ones. Praise the Lord. Can I pray for you too? Is that your wife? All right. 
Anybody here sitting next to someone that's not their wife? I want to know early. Okay. I don't want that on you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 I sense a real tranquility and quietness in you. That will be an attribute that touches hearts because they will sense an anointing on your life without you saying a word. They will sense the presence of God in your life without even out you speaking. I, don't, I sense that you're not extremely extrovert, but at the same time, I sense that you have a, a sense of ability in you, that you're, you have a sensing of, I can do what I need to do. Hallelujah. And so, God, I just ask you to cast fresh vision, cast, cast vision and dreams in the hearts of my brother and sister. See, God is looking for leadership in the community. God is looking for leadership in the workplace. God is looking for leadership in the church. God is looking for leadership in your sphere of influence. And God wants to place a fresh anointing on both your lives in the sphere of influence that he has placed you to begin to touch others in that sphere just through relational type evangelism or relational words that are spoken at a proper moment and a proper time. And then God will use you that if you grab somebody by the hand, both of you, and, and, and they're sick, you say, let me, and you say, let me pray for you. And God will use you to bring healing into their lives. And you'll see miracles if you'll follow him in this, if you'll obey him in this. You'll see the miracle power of God touch others just because you're obedient to say, can I pray for you? In your quiet, humble spirit, that's why they'll allow you because you're not an in-their-face kind of guy. God. I ask blessings upon this couple, Lord. I ask a fulfillment of destiny in their life. I ask, Father God, that you release unto them all that is necessary that for them to accomplish what they want to accomplish and what you want them to accomplish in their lifetime. I pray for an abundant provision of God in their life in the name of Jesus. I pray for increase of salary as a living witness to those that are around them. I pray for job enhancements, Father God. I pray, Father God, that you lift them up in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, that ministry to you? Would you tell me if it didn't? <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus in the house. Jesus in the house. You just a rock at your balter. You stay there. Man's man. You got to be a man's man. You can't be some wimpy man. You got to be a man's man. Demons and devils will shake. Here's some of the worship guy back here bacon strips I'm begging for bacon I don't know if that's what that means but that's what I thought of when I saw it I saw a whole generation rising up in music when I looked at you I saw just a fresh anointing of a psalmist when I looked at you I saw a whole generation that you will minister to that will, you will touch their lives by, by just your witness of music praise God hallelujah hallelujah I don't know how far you have in your heart of hearts to go with worship and music, but God says there's no limit for your life. There is no limit for your life. You can take it as far as you want to dream, as far as you want to cast vision towards. God will open wide the way so that you are a success in the eyes of his kingdom, that you will touch and transfer the life of God to others in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Rise up. Rise up, O oh young man of God. 
So you may not even think you're so young, but when you're my age, you're, you're really young. Hallelujah. Rise up. The community's waiting for you. An industry's waiting for you. An industry's calling to you. An industry, an in, a whole, a whole generation's looking and seeking truth, and you're carrying the truth in your worship and in your music and in your life. So rise and be all that God's called you to be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. 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 Young people, you got to be everything you can be now. Don't just say, I'm a young person. Who was it that God said, don't say that I'm a young person? Jeremiah, thank you. <laughs> I like Jeremiah. Don't say that I'm a youth. You can speak and move mountains. All you got to do is believe. Hallelujah. You see, if we passionately go after this with all of our heart, if we be what God's been, this church will rise up and be what God wants it to be. I don't say that you're not in that route now. I'm not saying that, that you're not pursuing it. But what I'm saying is there's people to touch. We need to fill these chairs two and three times a Sunday, praise God. We need to go after it. And it comes, after, it comes by the glory. And the glory comes because somebody's passionately pursuing him. It doesn't come because there's some kind of trick or, or, or some kind of a thing we can do consistently the only thing we can do is seek him with all of our heart and the glory comes into your life and people will be drawn to the glory of the Lord in your life and it'll be a glorious church I'm going to go ahead and pronounce something on you that you may or not like there'll come a day soon I say, everybody say soon now, soon is all relative to God but say soon everybody say soon you're going to have multiple services and you're going to be wearing yourself out. You're going to be wearing, you're going to be, there's going to be multiple services here at North Church. There's going to be young services, old services, all in between services. There's going to be first service and second service and somebody else's service somewhere else, praise God. You're going to have multiple services. You're going to need worship team. You're going to need two or three worship teams. God, People are going to be drawn to this house because the hand of God is on this house. And it's not about the numbers. Let me tell you something. It's not about the numbers. It's about the souls. It's about the souls that are one for Jesus. It's not so we can stand and go, oh, look what we've done. We didn't do nothing. We we're touching lives for Jesus. That's destiny. We're touching somebody else. But you just don't go pray the sinner's prayer for them and say, oh, I don't, at least they're in heaven now. Uh, I tell my church all the time, you pray a sinner's prayer with someone, you get them into the fabric of this church because I know what this church teaches. I know what the discipleship will bring in their lives. I know what kind of love, I'm talking about my church and I know about your church too. I know what kind of love will touch them and what kind of family will reach them. And, and so don't just pray with someone and be happy you prayed with them. Bring them into the house of God. Don't just look at them and say, well, see you next Sunday. They ain't coming. Say, see you next Sunday and we'll watch, we'll watch the Heat and, and OKC play Sunday night. We'll have barbecue together. Let me pick you up and do lunch. Everybody go yes to that. Are y'all listening to me? You got to bring them into the fabric of the church. You can't just pray with somebody. Get them into the fabric of the kingdom. Huh? 
Some might, people might think it's a curse, but it's a blessing. I pronounce multiple services on this church in the name of Jesus. I pronounce a fatigue upon the pastor that he'll have to endure until these other young ones rise up and be what they're supposed to be in the name of Jesus. I decree it. I declare it. I call forth the harvest out of the north, the south, the east, and the west to come unto North Church in the name of Jesus. I come against every hindering spirit in Jesus' name. I break your power. I bind you and cast you down in the name of Jesus. I decree and declare the growth of the kingdom here in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, God bless you. 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 Pastor. Come on, give Dr. J. Threadgill a big God bless you. Amen. Amen. That's why I I call this man a friend. He's a friend uh, and a man's man, and he's a great investment in the kingdom of God. I want to encourage everybody here to sow a seed into the ministry of uh, Fishers of Men Ministries, but just make your check out today. If you're making out a check, make it out to Church on the Rock North. Our ushers are going to be in the back. Ushers, grab your bags and stand around the back. And I want to encourage everybody to sow a seed as you go out. Everything that comes in is going to go straight into the ministry that Dr. J has so wonderfully pioneered. Let me just tell you what I've learned over the years. Uh, you're not an apostle by what you put on your quickie print card that you hand out to all your friends. You're an apostle by what the fruit of your life. And some of the most interesting people that you'd never think were apostles are really bona fide apostles. And and, and that's what Dr. J is here. He, he's been apostolic for us. And think of David Hatley, a former car park salesman, birthed 200 and something churches. And these guys are apostles. They're, they're just great assets to the body of Christ and have been a great asset for us today. And I want to encourage you to, be a, to sow a significant seed into their ministry. Also for our children's ministry, I'm going to ask Laura, y'all can go man the tables if you'd like. I want to encourage everybody to plug up and be a part of Vacation Bible School. See, we want to raise them up young and, uh, and, and keep them going strong in the kingdom. Uh, and wow, what a great day today. I, don't, I really don't want to leave. In fact, Jay, I'm going to work you a little harder. I'm going to, as we close today, if you would like, not just the men, but I would encourage men to get in on some of this. And Jim, if you could kind of be with him. He's going to be here around the four-wheelers. And if you would like him to lay his hand on you and speak a blessing over your life, you don't, I wouldn't just slip out and not get that. If I could get in that line, I would encourage you to do that. So he'll be here doing that. Also, if you're here and you believe God is adding you to Church on the Rock North, I see Ryan, Ryan, lift your hand. He's not married. Uh, he's taking applications in the back if you'd like to fill out one. Uh, He'll be here. If you believe God's adding you to Church on the Rock North today, just come and take Ryan by the hand and just say, I really believe God has brought us here. You know, it's good to see so many of you here. As Jay said, go find somebody, bring them, get them to the house of God next Sunday. I, I had to preach to Jay a little bit this weekend because I, I didn't get to preach today, so I preached to him a little bit. I'm getting ready. Yeah, I'm getting ready for next week. So great day today. How many of you enjoyed all that today has brought us? Amen. Thank you to all our guys who brought in the paraphernalia today to just kind of make us feel like men today, all the men. It's exciting. Uh, 
I'm going to take this one home with me. So whoever brought that, that you you like that one? That's that's Brent's. He, you'd have to fight Stacy for that. In fact, when I pulled away with it the other day, Ty was in the backyard, and I'm pulling away. He's going, "That's our four wheeler. Come back with that four wheeler." I said, "I'm taking it to church. Jesus wants to borrow it." No, no, it's our four wheeler. Stand up with one another. Let's stand up together. Good to see you. All the fathers, have a great Father's Day. Give somebody a high five around you. Say, thank you for being patient today. Love you. Come on now. Love somebody.